Here in Orlando, Florida, O-Town Compost is leading the composting revolution, recycling organic waste into a nutrient-rich resource. Join Charlie Pioli, founder of O-Town Compost, as we hear from the nation's leading voices behind the grassroots community composting movement. Welcome to the Community Composting Podcast. Please rate and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to. If you feel like this is good content and you're learning a lot about composting. Welcome to episode number 23. I have here both Michelle and Java, husband and wife. Uh, They're running Java Compost located in um, eastern central New Jersey. Not exactly, but we go with that. Pretty close to New York City. That's all I know. So, yeah. um, But yeah, thanks for coming on. And let me start by just hearing your origin story, how you created this uh, community composter that now, you know, you guys have a thousand plus subscribers and you're really... uh, diverting some food waste uh, to the, the commercial composting facility in your region. So how, how did you get there? Good question. How do we get there? I'm going to let Java start with the, with the <laughs> origin story. I'll jump in when, when my time okay. has come. Uh, so I guess we can go back. Uh, I used to be a school teacher and I was in education for a little over 20 years. And um, <clears throat> the last school that I worked at uh, was a, it was a private school turned charter school in Newark. And um, they had in, in, uh, in their school building, what, what happened is we were there and, and they made this, they renovated this old factory. And um, after about a year and a half of being there, we moved to this new building and up on the third floor, they had this really incredible rooftop garden that they had designed. And um, they gradually required all of the faculty to spend time out there, bring their, their students out there, create some lessons, and they would teach us all about the different parts of the garden. Um, it was all, you know, new to me. And, uh, but part of the garden was this compost bin, a, a three box bin. And I just remember them kind of explaining what they were doing. They were taking some of the prep material from the kitchen and, recycling it through the the compost bin and I don't think I had ever heard anything about like about composting prior to that and it just seemed so remarkable realizing that none of this was going to waste it was actually becoming something that could then kind of fertilize the soil and grow more Michelle your background is you're from the city New York City and Java where where are you from originally uh originally San Francisco California Okay. That's where I was born and raised. I, I've been out east since I was 15, but that I was originally in California. Okay, so yeah, San Francisco is kind of leading the nation in in municipal composting. But mm-hmm. that's funny. Maybe um, that hasn't happened for you know that started a decade or so ago. Maybe when you were growing up, it wasn't so universal. No, not I, I had never even heard about it. Yeah. So that sounds like you were a novice from the start, like we all are. Um, yeah. What about you, Michelle? 
So, okay, so fast forward, Java got that exposure to composting from his school. And um, then we ended up, he, he kind of brought the idea back home to our apartment that we were living in in Jersey at the time and said, hey, we should like try and start composting. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We are not composting in our apartment. It's gonna smell, we're gonna get mice. I'm from New York City. I left the city. Typical reaction. Yeah, totally. And I was like, I literally, <laughs> one of the main drivers behind leaving New York was the rat infestation that like literally became unbearable. So I was like, I'm not really interested in that at all. And I like flat out refused. And then I watched Dirt the movie or Job and I watched Dirt the movie, which have you seen it? I haven't seen it, no. Okay. So it's this really amazing documentary all about soil health and industrial farming and how we've destroyed the soils through industrial farming and how composting plays a key role in restoring the soil. And I watched that and I was like, oh gosh, how can I keep throwing my food in the trash? This is terrible. And so then we decided to give it a try. We didn't get mice, it didn't smell. We ended up bringing our food scraps to the community garden we were a part of. We thought, hey, if we wanna do this or if we can do this, maybe other people wanna do it too. Maybe we'll just start collecting it from people and bring it to the community garden. Realized that was illegal in Jersey. You can't bring food scraps to a community garden. You have to bring it to a licensed composting facility of which there's really only one in the state. So yeah, it, it, the business idea started percolating out of that. And then we kind of got halted because we didn't really have a way to recycle these food scraps legally. Yeah. By that time, <clears throat> we were so excited about composting and we were like, everybody needs to compost. And I was very dedicated to it at that point and making it a business, the idea of making it a business that we decided let's start this backyard composting service. So instead of picking up, we're gonna to come to your house. We're gonna set you up with a tumbler. We're gonna basically collect your food in a bucket. You'll leave it out for us. We'll, we'll manage and, 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 yeah, and, apply. and apply your finished compost through using this tumbler to your lawn and your landscaping. So we like tried that for a couple of years. It didn't really take off to, to the point were where- you charging and was it like a subscription model? Yeah, we would charge people every four weeks. Um, it was expensive Very, because there yeah. was a big startup cost, the purchase of the tumbler. And then, you know, <clears> just <throat> to have somebody come to your house every week and manage your tumbler for it, tumbler for you is expensive. Um, so it wasn't really scalable. No, yeah. But it really helped to get our name out there in the community about like we sort of became the composting people. Hmm. Um, and I think that really helped once three years later, we were able to launch the pickup service. I think it really helped us get subscribers and get them fairly quickly because people already knew of us as these composting people. We were also doing like backyard consultations and you know we would go to people's homes and help them set up if they were uh, DIY folks. So it, we got a chance to you know, meet people in the community. And was there another community composter that kind of like, hurt your interest, piqued your interest and, and that you kind of like <clears throat> modeled your business off of when you switch from the backyard consultation to the pickup service? Well, this is gonna be hard to believe, Charlie, mm -hmm. but we thought we came up with the idea. <laughs> no, right? Idea. Yes, we, because when we were working at the, when we were uh, at the roofs at the, um, I'm sorry, the uh, community garden, 
the idea of picking up from people in the community was totally just, it just kind of came, we just, it just came to us. It wasn't like we heard of other- Well, I give you guys credit for like bringing that out of a vacuum in your brains. <laughs> but <laughs> however, um, we, we would not have been able to start. Uh, <clears throat> uh, at some point we did hear that there was another company um, actually, somebody at the community garden, I don't know if you remember this, they gave us an article uh, because right. we had been talking about it and they said, oh, we heard there's another, you know, you're not crazy. There's actually somebody else doing this uh, up in, I forget what, where, where they had a home, but it was uh, uh, somewhere upstate New York. It turned out that that very company had started to service um, a location in New Jersey, and that was community compost with uh, uh, Eileen and I don't know the uh, and Molly and some other people there and um, they uh, we got to we got to know them. It took a little time, but um, and finally they were the ones who actually offered to help us. Um, and so they partnered with us it, during the. How course. did they help? How did they lend their support? Go ahead. Well, one of the problems for us was, like I mentioned, we didn't have a processing facility, so we had no place to bring the compost. There, the one place in New Jersey that was really creating compost was not excited about partnering with a residential hauler, micro hauler, because they had had a bad experience in the past with a lot of contamination. So once they kind of said, no, we didn't really have other options. And that's where community compost came in because they basically picked us, from, picked us up from us after we collected locally. Yeah. And then they brought it to their facility because they have their own site. <clears throat> so that was the partnership initially with them. Interesting, because yeah, residential food scraps are like the least contaminated, especially for us community composters, because the people who are subscribing, you know, they're more willing to do the right thing and uh, separate their food scraps. But I, that that's helpful. And you still don't have a processing site, is that right? We still don't. Yep. A lot of that is because the regulations in New Jersey are so strict with, with like permitting small scale sites, which they don't, don't exist right now. Um, but we, we were able to finally work with that company locally in New Jersey. Um, basically they decided to give us a shot and mm -hmm. now it's two years or a year later with them. Um, and they, you know, we, we bring them very clean material cause we're very meticulous. And we educate our customers a lot and our customers are paying, you know, a decent amount of money for the service. So I think they really they're care motivated. about what they're putting in the buckets. Yeah. And um, so, so far it's worked out well. So yeah. Even on the commercial side, do you have any tips or tricks with commercial clients educating and keeping their material clean? Have you ever refused a commercial client or said no? I think uh, we've only had to refuse one, right? And that was recently. Um, and that was, you know, but I think the, 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 the challenge has been just at the, at the outset, we just try to educate the, the commercial, um, customers and just kind of help them with logistics. And, and we also try to be transparent with them about our need in order to sustain the relationship that we have with the commercial partners that we have that, that with the facility, um, to give them clean material, um, given that they had a bad experience in the past with, with residential material. So um, we try to let everybody know, like, this is a team effort. If one, if somebody starts being, you know, 
um, careless with their their process of collection and um, it could jeopardize you know our current you know way that we 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 operate and so I think everybody you know we try to make it a team approach and and so far it's I think it's been pretty helpful and on the residential side do you instruct your drivers to actually lift lids and spot check people for contamination yeah part of the process is naturally as they're emptying the buckets um they you know we ask them to take a look oh. and and see yeah we don't swap buckets we, we right. clean the site so they can see pretty quickly yeah okay. and when they they bring it to like a um like a holding station and uh when when all that material is taken to our to the facility the commercial facility um uh, our our driver chris he gets another another opportunity to look as he's loading up the truck. And then again, when he's tipping, he, um, he has an opportunity to, to see what's in there. Okay. So we yeah. try to keep a variety of eyes on the material through our process mm -hmm. as best we can. Okay, great. And uh, do you have any plans in the future to either A, start your own processing site and like whether that's medium, small, medium, or large, or B, you know, just advocate and work on a partnership with another, you know, kind of either commercial composter or like a, a, a city or a municipality. You wanna? Yeah, I think, I think as we, cause we're doing a lot of drop-off programs with municipalities, like municipally sponsored drop-off programs. And so as we have those conversations, we're trying to get them to see like, hey, you know, it's really beneficial to maybe process your scraps locally and not have us haul them away because then you have this great finished material you can use on public parks and, you know, community centers and just keep within the community. Um, but again, because of the food waste regulations, like all of that stuff is kind of out of our hands until the DEP reviews these exemptions and starts to allow for some small scale processing sites. So if all of that comes to fruition, then <clears throat> I think there'll be more opportunities to to start a small scale processing site, but it is it is within our long-term goal to try and try and do that. Yeah. Now let me ask like uh, the details of, you know, where you're at business-wise, like roughly what percentage of your clients are residential versus commercial? And, um, you know, and then I just want to know like, how far your composting site is and uh, how many times a week you make a trip there? I'd say uh, our residential makes up probably close to 90% of our, of our, our clients. And then um, and the commercial side has, it, 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 that's kind of a, a, a later part of our service that we've begun to develop over the last year or so. So that's been increasing um, gradually. Um, then, uh, what was the second part? You go yeah, we, we go, we, right now we go twice a week and, um, we have plans, I think probably within the next week to start going for a third, a, a third trip. And it's about 45 minutes away. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, you know, not ideal, but totally, you know, worth what you got to do. Um, I'm lucky at O-Town Compost, our site is about 10 miles away, nice. but it's still with traffic is like, 
a, an hour round trip. Mm. So, I mean, I'm I'm just complaining. I love. It. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. We we our our hope. I mean, we do talk. At, you know, when when we have the opportunity, we do mention to municipalities and other people who may be, you know, um, in positions that you know may have some influence in the discussion of developing infrastructure in New Jersey, we do try to uh, encourage it. And we do talk to people about ways that it could work. And, and um, uh, you know, people have uh, reservations about compost, especially, you know, a, a local kind of, you know, in a suburban or urban area. But, um, but we try to talk, talk about it to get people thinking about it so that, you know, down the road, um, they may have, hopefully have done some research and become better educated and see that there are some um, best practices that can help to manage some of the concerns that people have. We would like to see infrastructure grow in New Jersey. We also do do like on-site small scale processing. So like we build ASP boxes for like schools and urban farms, community gardens. So that's like a nice little way of introducing people to like, you know, some small scale processing. Yeah. Um, you ever worry that like, you know, the problem with composting and how it got the bad rap, I believe, is because people had backyard piles that they mismanaged, didn't manage properly. I mean, leaving someone to their own devices without, like, certifying that they have, like, a, a champion to manage it. Do you, you know, have you seen any backlash, like them maybe blaming you for leaving them in this crappy situation or, you know, what are your experience like? No, not, not so far. We're pretty early on in the, in, 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 in that phase of things. Um, and our, the, the bins that, that we're involved with are, you know, cubic yard bins, you know, much easier to manage, you know, at that scale. Um, and we try to make sure everybody's educated about the ratios and how to best manage issues if they come up. Um, troubleshooting is a big part of what we try to help people understand um, how to how to do. Um, so so far, no, we haven't had that. Yeah, we haven't had that. Um, uh, there was another part to the question. I think that was there. Um, no, I think that was it. Uh, my question though is. What is your impact? How many pounds of food scraps are you diverting from the landfill or incinerator per week? Uh, let's see. So it's about, I want to say about 15, it's about 15,000 pounds a week. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, we're, we're at about 60,000 pounds a month approximately wow so if you do the math at your current rate you're probably like six hundred thousand pounds a year or something which is amazing i mean we're at um we're like just barely recently we got to ten thousand a week and it it's pretty exciting to think like five tons a week aren't going to the landfill mm -hmm but you guys are really tallying it up and you'll probably have to pop that champagne for your 1 million market pretty soon. <laughs> yes, we're thinking in the spring we'll hit a million because I think we're at a little over 700,000 right now. Yeah. We, we oh, try wow. to do monthly stats that we update our website with. 
So it's also pretty neat, I think, for us to see and also hopefully for um, our, our subscribers to see like it, you know, over time, it really does add up. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think it makes a difference. It's pretty exciting to see that, like, you know, uh, a, a small company like ours, you know, with, you know, diligent uh, subscribers, you know, who, who are really motivated um, can make a can make a difference together. Yeah. And how uh, do you weigh the buckets and bins there at the site? And how robust is your reporting system to your customers? We have we have a like a blended system. So basically we do um, we have scales and you know we do periodically I'll I'll have the drivers do um, more uh, like uh, actual scale uh, reporting and then other times we'll do um, like estimates based on approximately uh, I guess four some depending on uh, whether it's commercial or or residential um, it's typically about four pounds per gallon. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll give a rough estimate. Um, but when I'm on the road, I, I like to use the, the scale just to be, you know, especially accurate. And then we do take uh, the, when we go and weigh in at the facility, you know, they give us the, the most accurate uh, okay. results. Yeah. And you guys are actually paying like tipping fees by the ton. Um, yeah. When you were just starting out very early, you know, I, I asked a lot of community composters this because most of those floors or most of those like truck scales are rated, you know, they go up by like 200 pounds every time. And like if you're you're only bringing in maybe half a ton, would you would they be able to bill you by the pound potentially or they had a a, a minimum so, okay. so i think both we we also worked with another facility for a time and um yeah i think they they have their baseline if you fall below it you still have to pay um mm -hmm. you know the, the minimum fee okay cool um and i totally agree it's all about compost infrastructure or any kind of food waste recycling infrastructure, whether that's an anaerobic or aerobic digester, uh, animal farms, you know, just to feed it to them. Um, you know, there's some nifty technology out there able to process food waste into a more beneficial use. Can you guys think of anything? Is there anything else in your region of New Jersey that like, if New York's not that far, do you bring anything to Staten Island or, um, you know, other areas? We, so before we started working with the, with the New Jersey-based composting, processing composting site, we, we did bring it to upstate New York, uh, to Ulster County Recycling Center, because um, that was, that was the closest one that we could access. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, other than that, no although yeah, we, we we you know we we have had exposure to like we call it the john culp pepper machine but it's not mm -hmm. really that's not the technical name but it's a it's a in vessel it's an in vessel uh, um, system that one of the schools that we kind of work with now 
actually have on site and they process a lot of their school scraps through that in vessel. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty neat. Um, I mean, even some of seeing some of those pop up would be great too. There's, you know, that's the great thing I think about the, the, about composting is that there are a variety of ways that you can do, that you can do it. And um, just depending on resources and, and real estate um, and methods, obviously. And I, oh, that's what I was going to comment on before, Charlie, that um, I think one of the reasons why New Jersey is slow to uh, revise their you know, or provide exemptions um, to their regulations is because they've had a, at least two other facilities in the last couple of decades that were not apparently, this is what, what we were told, they were not well managed. Or, or at least I think maybe one had a change in management and then it had a, a difficult time um, like dealing with odor and stuff like that. So with those two facilities, you know, not doing well. I think there's a little bit of uh, kind of PTSD um, in the, you know, in, in the administration. So, which is understandable, you know, you don't want a, situ a situation where everybody starts to complain and, and, you know, so my hope is that, you know, if they're, if they can, you know, learn, learn enough about the different uh, kind of strategies out there, different technologies and so on, that they'll see that there there is a way to manage it and to scale down the, mm -hmm. the regulations for small scale and mid scale sites. There is an anaerobic digester, um, okay. not too far. That's in Trenton. Yep. Um, and then there's the one in Elizabeth, right? That's a wastewater treatment facility, and they accept organics also. Oh, okay. Yeah. To go back to what you said about a compost site mismanaging, you know. Odor complaints from neighbors like really kill compost sites. And, um, you know, composting got the negative connotation because it's been mismanaged. And that's when the pile sits, it goes anaerobic, that horrible smell uh, hits someone in the neighborhood's nose. Yeah. And I mean, so it, it really, you want to bring it to a compost site because from the economic perspective of the processing site, they're making money on the front end scales, but also on the background, uh, the back end product. Yep. And if they're not interested in the back end product, which I know some of those big waste haulers like waste management and, um, you know, some of the bigger ones are really just all about the tipping fees. So they really do a haphazard job at processing and then you get shut down. And I, I yeah, it's yeah. interesting how that's how it shook out there. Yeah, I think gradually as, as more people get involved in these initiatives, you know, whether it's a municipal pilot program or residential pickup services, um, and, and become better educated. I think the conversation around building infrastructure will be different this time around, um, at least in New Jersey, I think it will be. I mean, maybe I'm being optimistic, but it, it, it seems the, the people that we've had an opportunity to get, to get to know over the last few years, you see people are really motivated to, to, to see more of composting happen in, this, in, the, in the state. And, um, and, and they're just moving with, you know, uh, caution, 
in, in trying to get these things. And so I, I feel like on some level, you know, better to, to, to be patient and let them be as thorough as they need to be um, so that when they, you know, give the green light, you know, everybody feels good about it. And um, yeah, didn't the state of New Jersey just issue a man, an organic span of generators up to like one ton a week? Yeah, yeah. And how, you know, Florida, that was on the legislator, uh, the legislation this, this uh, year as well. But there's not enough infrastructure to even handle that. And that's what it sounds like in New Jersey. So how would the state go about like fulfilling that? Um, well, you have to, it only applies if you're within 25 miles of a, of a facility, uh, you're an AD or a composting site. So that, um, that's going to, you know, exempt a lot of businesses and producers. Um, so right now they're saying, especially the, I think the ADs are, are underutilized. So they're anticipating. Wow. What an opportunity to start a food waste recycling facility of any kind and also be a hauler of the, the food scraps. Um, so that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely have gotten some more corporate calls recently, I think, as a result of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, usually when policies change, like the bigger businesses start to wake up. As you start to take on more food scraps, you realize very quickly that you need a better composting system to process the material. This is why I highly recommend the aerated static pile micro bin designed and made easy by O2 Compost. In 60 days, I have finished compost without putting in the labor of turning the pile. The piles heat up to over 140 degrees, killing pathogens, weed seeds, and fly larvae, making the end product safe to use in the garden. With 32 plus years of experience in the compost industry, Peter Moon, owner of O2 Compost, is a leading expert in the field of ASP composting. I encourage you to set up a free half an hour consultation with Peter Moon by going to his website, www o2compost.com that's the letter o the number two compost.com if you mentioned that you heard about o2 compost on this podcast you'll receive a 10 percent discount on the purchase of the microbin compost training program what um what would you guys say is your goal in the next you know just a year not too far out in the future and what would you say your goal is, you know, a decade from now? Are you going to, I don't know if you have kids, are you going to pass down the business? To your kids? <laughs> you got a lot of kids that we have three, we have three sons that are 17 or no, 15, 15. and 12. Yeah. Are yeah, they so we try to... be composters? Are they, they think it's cool when they talk with their friends in school? They're slightly horrified that we have a TikTok <laughs> channel and they, some of their friends follow us and they're like, can you please not post anything with me in it? My friends follow you. Yeah. They're they're Yeah. And then, you know, we but have our good. branded vehicles that they refuse to like get into, yeah, um, yeah. but, but they're pretty, they're pretty faithful about it at the house. I mean, in at home, oh, you yeah. know, they know like, they're, they're, they're pretty good about it, you know. And some yeah. of their friends are our customers, so that's pretty Oh, cool. that's awesome. Yeah. 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 
but no, I don't know if any of them will go into it. I, I don't know. Let's you do never know. Yeah. Out. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're obviously we're still early on in, 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 you know, in our, you know, in, in, in doing what we do. Oh, but it's amazing to see like how far you guys have come in such a short time. You got vehicles, you got thousands of subscribers. I mean, you're doing 15,000 pounds a week. Like those are ticking all the boxes for someone who's kind of found their, their formula. Um, and it's, and then here you are just like in your living room with your kids <laughs> in Paris. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a good example you're setting to uh, other people around the country who may want to start a community composting business. Yeah. And, you know, they don't want to work in the corporate workforce. So like you can become an entrepreneur and, and do this type of thing. So that's really cool. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm pretty, uh, I think we're both pretty um, amazed at, you know, what would the fact that we're even doing this today, you know, and, and um, you know, so, so we, that, that part of, of what we're doing is, is doesn't, uh, I mean, we see it, you know, we see, we see that it is remarkable to, to, to be able to offer this service and, and, um, and be able to grow in the way that we have. Um, I think anybody who is in the industry on a, on a small scale, you know, micro haulers and such know the, the, the challenges, know the amount of work that goes into, you know, providing a service knows that the, the hours and hours of work that can, that can be a part of, you know, developing your business. And um, so, so with, we know that it's not an easy feat for sure for those out there, but it is, it is possible. And, and uh, you know, and if, and if you have the vision for it, I think it's, you know, I mean, it, it, our state in particular, but obviously, you know, every state um, needs as many people as possible um, contributing. And the nice thing, you know, the Michael Halling uh, model is nice because um, uh, not only does it allow a number of different people to be involved and um, to contribute and also make a living, um, but, um, you know, it doesn't all fall on one company you know, which I think that having that, uh, that redundancy or whatever you want to call it in a, in a state is helpful um, in kind of distributing the responsibility. And, you know, if, if, if something happens in, to one company, you've got three or four or five other companies that can kind of come in and, and, and pick up the slack or whatever. So, um, you know, it's, it's been pretty exciting for us and, and, uh, and we're hopeful that you, there are some other co uh, companies uh, in New Jersey that are, that are, you know, that are on the scene and, you know. Yeah, believe it or not, that's how waste collection was in this country <clears throat> until like post-World War II era when it, uh, when it became like so centralized it used to be just like every dude with a pickup truck could do their neighborhood <laughs> but um right yeah but i totally understand the decentralization of community composting is what's beautiful about it and institute of self 
local self-reliance is like all about that oh yeah, yeah. They've, they've been, been pretty yeah pretty we, helpful and supportive yeah. yeah we we yeah we really value all the relationships we've been able to build through that network um and just it's a huge you know resource yeah. for us. They love the community composters there in the Northeast. I wish they gave us a little bit of their attention. Love. Yeah. I'll tell Brenda. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we didn't answer your goals question. I mean, just to answer it briefly, oh. I think it's just really building on what we've already started, you know, just increasing uh, the, the ability for people to just become composters, you know, when I didn't think I was ever going to be a composter. So I think I have kind of a special, I don't know what the word understanding. is. Understanding yeah. or, or sympathy. Now you're the bean composter. <laughs> but, you know, just like getting regular people to think of themselves as that and, you know, yeah. providing the service that they can do it easily and mess free. And Yeah, real quick, do you like, do you feel like you've moved into the middle demographic? Like if you were to look at a bell curve you know, you're obviously going to get those people who are early adapters who sign in early. And then, you know, our goal is obviously to get all the way down the curve. But where are you? Are you are you feeling like you've kind of plateaued? You're getting like, what is your new demographic like in the progress of your business? In terms of in terms of like what type of person, what are their you just notions? Yeah, the shift. yeah, yeah, we are noticing the shift. Recently. Yeah, so for the first year and a half, it has been largely women yeah. of More. a certain age, probably yeah. middle, you know, like mid thirties to mid forties. Um, moms, parents, moms, you know, yeah, yeah. And all of a That's sudden- That's what I saw too, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but now we're getting a lot of men like, signing up like i've just noticed by the names if you think they're trying to impress their ladies <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah and it's i was big. like oh this is interesting yeah yeah, yeah that's right. um, that's but right. it is still a lot of families and um you know our, our service is not inexpensive so it's definitely kind of a middle upper class um mm -hmm. customer base but we are offering uh like drop-offs at a lower price point. So we're trying to be able to service more people that way. And a lot of the municipalities that we work with are offering, you know, their composting services for free. I mean, we're the contractor on those, um, on those accounts. So um, hopefully yeah, that, those more. programs will expand also. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I have just two more questions. And I recently, um, sent you guys my like uh, elementary school training video. I hope that was helpful. Yeah. Yeah, what, yeah. Like, how do you approach signing on a new uh, school and what's different than like your average commercial client uh, being, you know, a place where education happens and you could be making lifelong, like I feel like it's my responsibility to make lifelong composters Mm. never look back so it's yeah. a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure um yeah the video is great thank you I actually have to still show it to java um so we just signed on our first school so you probably have much more experience and wisdom to share than we do um but you know it is whenever you're dealing I think with a commercial account or a school it's like there is a lot of kind of initial 
back and forth and hand holding and communication and phone calls and site visits and all that stuff to make sure that everybody's on the same page. And, you know, sometimes the schools want to be kind of independent with how they're training their students and their staff. Um, so I think it's just important to keep the lines of communication open. So the messaging is the same, you know, because with our service, we do take compostable products that are BPI certified. Um, so we have to kind of communicate that and understand what is being produced in the kitchen and what kind of you know, utensils and serviceware people are using. So, you know, in the beginning, I think it's just a lot of logistics of ironing all that stuff out. Um, and then of course, like good signage and uh, all that stuff. So, and I think it's pretty much the same with the commercial accounts, you know, you just mm -hmm. wanna really get clarity from the beginning. And again, yeah. with our aging, it's really about limiting contamination. And like, you know, somebody said, well, how much contamination do you allow? And we're like, zero. <laughs> Because yeah, you want to set the bar really high, um, and I think. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's it practically speaking. I mean, yes, we want the bar high, and and at the same time, like our our partners are the facility that we work with. They don't have a minimum or a maximum contamination level. They just don't want it, you know. So. Um, yeah, it really depends on what you're processing. Like contamination, although we don't want any of it it's just a fact of life. And if you're a processing facility, you gotta like, you gotta set your bar kind of. I know this cause O-Town, we collect and do our own processing. And my business partner who kind of manages the site, he grumbles and, you know, doesn't like to see anything. That's right. And I kind of take a different framework. I'm like, you know, this is kind of what's got to happen to push food waste recycling forward. But at the same time, doesn't mean I'm not going to like text message my contact in the restaurant to, you know, annoy them and let them know I found one glove, only one glove, but I'm still going to let them know. So that's right. Yeah. 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 We do that too. As soon as we find something, we take a picture, we mm -hmm. email it to them. You know, and it's always usually just, I mean, it's never intentional, you know, it's just yeah. somebody new came on or somebody forgot. I feel like having a champion in the school is like really important. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And we always have that. We always have some sort of teacher liaison or sustainability coordinator that we're communicating with. Yeah. That's actually been very helpful, in, in, you know, across the board in terms of reaching out to people is having people in the community who are already, you know, really motivated to recycle organics and, and see the value, they know the value. And so they're having those conversations out in the community already. That's, that, that's been, you know, so these champions are talking about, they're out there and they're, you know, uh, kind of trailblazers. They're, they're ones who were like the early adopters with us. And, um, you know, they, they really helped to get the ball rolling it makes a difference to have those people in the community for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure you've gotten some commercial clients from your residential clients, you know, going to work and talking mm -hmm. about your service. Yeah, so that's pretty yeah. fun that's too. <laughs> yeah, we have. I, 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 I just want to share about this commercial client because I feel like it's if there's other community composters listening, it's an interesting way to work with them, which is basically um, a corporation had one of our residential customers work there. And so the residential customer was also on 
I guess their sustainability task force within the corporation. And so he was trying to, you know, do sustainability initiatives. And so he really likes our service and was like, I want to bring this to my corporation. So he presented it with them. Then COVID happened and it was like, oh, well, nobody's in the office. So let's table this. But instead of completely tabling it, he basically approached them to see if they would be willing to subsidize half of the cost of the pickup service for anybody who lived within our service area. So now the employees from that particular company get our pickup service for half off. Um, the company pays half and we, and, and the subscribers. How many signups did you see from the company? Well, it wasn't a tremendous amount because mm -hmm. <laughs> not that every, not everybody lives in our service area. Oh. It's a big corporation, but I think we have now like 10 um, from That's that. That's awesome though. Yeah. I mean, I've thought of that idea. I thought that was my original idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see that. Um, and like with the city of Orlando, they give out free earth machine backyard composters. And, uh, you know, a lot of people start backyard composting. It's great. But then a lot of people kind of like burn out on it. They put it out on the curb for trash collection. I think those are the type of people who would prefer the convenience of a pickup service. Yeah. So the city, I've been trying to petition them to, you know, give a person like a one year stipend for our service. Mm. And I'm, I'm sure there's some... Uh, kind of difficulty like I might have to go through like the RFP process potentially mm -hmm. but anyway I want to talk about municipal programs and your municipal program um, that you're doing and like I don't even know the name of the town sorry I should have done better research <laughs> you're fired Charlie you're fired from your own podcast um, so we're doing it in two towns right now. One is called Maplewood and one is called Milburn. Um, and then we have two other towns that we are in the process of talking to about it. But you want to just know how it works? Yeah, I want to know how it works, how you arranged it um, and how it's progressing going forward, you know, and everything like contamination, poundage, like is it impactful in, in reducing like the towns, how much they have to pay for trash tipping fees? Well, I can, I can talk a little bit about the first part and then you can talk mm. about the second part. Um, so basically in both scenarios, the, it, it was spearheaded by the Environmental Commission. Um, so the president of the Environmental Commission approached us, who was also one of our residential customers <laughs> about trying to do this pilot drop-off program in their towns. And they were really in charge of like getting the households to participate. So they got, I think 50 households voluntarily. Um, they just put out basically messaging through their social media and newsletter saying, you know, we're gonna start a drop off pilot for composting. They and we're all voluntary participants. Yes. Okay, that's awesome. You get like the cream of the crop. Right. And they did a $50 one-time registration fee. And then they provided the bin, so they did a five gallon bucket with that and a box of compostable liners. Um, and then we did a training with them online, like a virtual training for all the participants. So you either had to participate in that live training or you had to then watch the video. In so this happened during COVID, like in the heat of it. Yep, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's smart as a city because more waste is being generated at home mm-hmm. on the residential side. So, yeah, sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, and then they had to take a, like a quiz, like a, you know, is this or isn't this compostable? Um, so they got the knowledge, they took the quiz. Only after they took the quiz were they allowed to get the code to be able to unlock the bins. So that was a nice kind of training for them. Right. Um, and then basically they can go down there anytime the GPW is open, you know, they have the code, they unlock it, they tie up their bags, they put their food scraps in there. And then we pick up every week from, from those locations. Yeah. So it's a drop-off program and not yeah. a Okay. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, are there any difficulties, you know, just, you're pretty much just doing one pickup a week and I'm guessing you're not seeing hardly any contamination. Is there potential they might expand the program? That's the that's the hope. Um, I think one of the, the one of the challenges for programs like this is is communication. So we're not as involved in the communication with the uh, at, at really at all. Um, all the communication comes from the municipality and the whoever is 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 helping them you know, whatever the team is. So um, I think participants really benefit and value um, when there's information, you know, what your impact, your environmental impact is, you know, you know, how much, uh, how much your, your, your program that you're a part of is, is uh, diverting, how much waste you're diverting. So really depending on the, on, on, you know, what the team is able to how much information they're able to provide the participants yeah. that can really kind of uh, influence the participation motivation. Um, the towns, and, they're not doing that right now. Well, I think it just depends. Uh, so it, I, I think it, it, it depends who's involved. So if there's any shifting in the team, like, you know, if that champion, for example, is not, is, is only there for, you know, a period of time, if they, uh, if if they're not the, if they're not there all along, you know uh, the 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 impact can kind of wane with time. Um, but that's one of the things that we want to see and we want to work with municipalities um, to improve is you know letting their participants know the impact that they're making to help them stay motivated um, mm-hmm. and so that it'll be a win, it'll be a successful program. We had so we have a Google sheet that we share with them the environmental commission president and the recycling coordinator. And so we just keep track of the diversion stats each week. And so initially these programs were basically diverting anywhere around five to 600 pounds a week. That's what the weight was of the material we were collecting. And, you know, at the lowest week, it's like around 200 to 250. So we've definitely seen ebbs and flows over the course mm-hmm. of- Yeah, uh, very you know, Yeah. Um, and what what's going on on those weeks? Like, is it the summer months where people might be traveling or something? Sometimes, yeah, there was a dip yeah. in the summer. And then we try and track like, oh, we noticed this is a light week. Maybe people are on vacation. So sometimes mm-hmm. it was spring break. Now, the last couple of weeks, it's been pretty low, too. And I don't know if it's like gearing up for the holidays or if it was like, you know, back to school stuff. Um, it's hard to say. And it's hard to say, like, that's what I think what Java was saying. If they could communicate to the participants, like, hey, you're doing a great job, or hey, like we noticed, you know, 
this is not being that utilized, just a reminder, it's here, mm -hmm. we'd let, you know, so there's some communication, uh, maybe that would help. And yeah. it's also, you know, it's starting to get colder here. So yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's affecting and these are These are drop-off programs. Um, but we do notice the two programs that are that are uh, being piloted right now. Um, whichever program is doing the most with communication tends to be the one that is, uh, you know, making more of an impact. Right. I could see how people would get lazy with the cold weather and not want to go out to drop off. And to go off your point, Java, I. It is nice having that public-private partnership where the private, you know, the municipality is in charge of the messaging. But I think on the typically the private composters, especially if they're dealing with the food waste or the repercussions from bringing dirty stuff into a facility, like we're just better at, we're just more on top of it when yep. it comes to like messaging and holding our customers accountable. Although I think this, the municipality does have like a role to play and they need to like, when they're making this law, they need to think of the economic incentives to get the right. people to do the right thing. Just like that, that uh, really, that test they had to pass to get the code. I mean, I, yeah. I wonder if anyone just like failed and right. got <laughs> discouraged. You didn't well, make it too hard. You made it pretty easy. The the I, I I think you know that these these pilot programs are I I think are pretty important. One because it does um, broaden our reach in terms of you know helping more people to be composters. When the the town is subsidizing the program for the participants, uh, at least to some degree, you know it it just makes it more possible for more people to do it um they it, it in so in those programs it's it's you know it's affordable um and uh and so it's just about motivation and and you know levels of participation and and and, uh, and so we would love to see more programs like that pop up um in new jersey if possible and the same goes for we have uh private drop-off locations also that we, you know, might partner with, you know, a local business that's been interested in, in doing something with composting and, um, and, and that too also allows us to kind of diversify and make it more available for, to more people um, and uh, to have a, a, a kind of a, a, a pay scale that, that, you know, a variety of people can, can, can benefit from. Yeah, we've lost a number of subscribers because our our $22 or $30 a month is out of their range. So I, you know, I don't believe that. That how much is that per year? 180, maybe? No, I don't know. But I feel like they're just not prioritizing it uh, mainly. Um, and one day I would like to see composting as a utility like trash and recycling so it's kind of like baked into the the price like the utilities yeah um but no that's so awesome to like hear about you your guys journey and um th that was that was all my questions thanks so much for joining the community composting podcast and i'll be knocking if i have any questions about 
growing you know my residential side of the business because you guys are absolutely crushing it right now well we'll be we'll be uh, reaching out to you too when uh if we get the opportunity to to start a site ourselves and uh and also with with uh if we have the opportunity to bring on more schools um you know we'll be we'll be reaching out to you too yeah, definitely get your three kids. Sounds like three pickers <laughs> to me. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like three pickers for contamination. To me. <laughs> right, right. I like the way that sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. Right. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoy the Community Composting Podcast and want to support future episodes, please follow the link in the episode show notes to give a small monthly reoccurring donation, even if it's $5 to $10 a month. We'll continue to come out with killer content to keep the grassroots movement rolling.